I want you to be excited. I, 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 like, I like excitement. I like to be excited. Excuse me, I can pick that up. And, uh, and especially singing what we just sang about the second coming, because that's sort of what the sermon is about. If you've read ahead, you know, in 2 Peter chapter 3, which is where you can turn, and if you're using that pew Bible you were already using, that's just a weird term for me, pew Bible. The Bible that is in the pew, I just don't like the word pew, I think. It just... So other ways we use that just doesn't, I don't know. But anyway, the Bibles that are provided for you in front of you where you are seated, um, it's on page 1208, 1208. Um, but, but I'm excited about the second coming. And if you've been reading ahead in here, it talks about the day of the Lord. But I don't think we realize the day of the Lord is probably at the end of the millennium. That's probably what he's referring to. Uh, and that's in the context. We can talk about that later. But um, just a couple of things. I, I know we've had announcements already. I want to emphasize um, I'm starting a Bible study tonight, and I'll also do the same Bible study on Wednesday night. Tonight will be at 5. Wednesday night will be at 6 o'clock. And it's based on the Jesus Revolution movie, same uh, author of that book, uh, the guy who lived through it. He wrote a, a six-week study where uh, just to help you draw closer to the Lord and maybe experience a personal revival in yourself, uh, which might help people around you to get to know the Lord and experience revival in themselves. But um, as we were singing that, man, I am just excited that today is not the end and there's a day coming that is the end. In fact, if, if, if you know the Lord, you ought to be excited that he's coming back, don't you think? And uh, so if, I hope you have your Bibles on Second Peter chapter 3. We're going to look at... I've got verses 1 through 10 listed. Uh, I'm going to kind of just dip into some other verses, but we're, we're going to be there. But, but I don't know if you've been keeping up with the news at all, um, but these flowers here, uh, our brother Jim Ruman passed away, and we did that memorial on Thursday, and so we appreciate these flowers being here. But this is a reminder that none of us are going to live forever. He gets that, right? So whether he comes back or we go there, we're going to see the Lord in our lifetime. And, 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 and we need to be prepared. And in the news in the past couple of weeks, there have been two freak things happen that don't generally happen. In fact, very, very rare. And yet it resulted in the death of literally thousands of people. We had an, an earthquake in Morocco. And that was totally unexpected. And at present count that I could find, 2,900. I looked it up this morning, are dead. I'm sure there's probably some more that we, they haven't accounted for yet. Um, but at least 2,900 people died due to an earthquake. And then in Libya, there was a storm, an unusual storm in the Med. And it caused flooding in Libya. And as of today, 11,300 people have gone into eternity. Now, neither of these nations, even though there's probably Christian presence there, would you consider a Christian nation. And just we have been starkly reminded that people are dying without Christ all the time around the world. But I think we, we might have forgotten something in ourselves. <clears throat> and so I, I've got an unusual thing to put up there for you to remember this week. If you go ahead and put that up, I hope it's there. What's going to happen today? <laughs> right. You don't know. You, you don't know. I mean, 
earthquake in Morocco is not an earthquake zone. Uh, uh, I don't know if they misspelled a word, or, but it, they don't call it a hurricane, but it had a weird word that ended in cane, so I don't know if they just made up a word. What is it? A med cane. Mediterranean hurricane, a med cane, and killed almost 12,000 people in Libya. You see, by the end of this sermon, I, I want you to know that earth's not going to last forever. And we don't know when tragedy may hit or the Lord may come. So it is imperative that we are ready and have told every, to tell them and that we have tried to tell everyone both near and far they need to be ready to face eternity. And the Christian has the only right answer to how to do that. The only right answer. And that is Jesus Christ. Say, that's very narrow-minded. Yes. Because God's narrow-minded. He gave us one way. Uh, that Bible study tonight, Jesus' revolution, that was a big deal back then. Uh, the, the symbol that we showed each other was this. And, and there, there were, you know, posters. Everybody else had peace signs with a hand with a peace sign. Well, we had a sign with that. One way. There's only one way to heaven. Jesus is the one way. And that's what the Bible says in John 14. And, and so, I, I want you to understand that, that he's coming back. Uh, I remember growing up that in World War II, uh, MacArthur, General MacArthur, had to leave the Philippines. We were in war, and we were kind of being pushed back at that time. And he made a promise to them, I will return. And later, he did. And that was good news for the natives of the Philippines. It was bad news for our enemy that was there at that time. Right? I, I've got another name, a little bit more modern, even though for some of you in here, you won't, might not get the reference as well. Uh, You've got to be a certain age to know this one. But just Arnold. Arnold Schwarzenegger. Schwarzenegger. I'll get it out right. And you can remember him by 7421. Seven times Mr. Olympia. Four times Mr. Universe. Now, that's the title I don't ever want. But I don't mind looking like that, but that ain't going to happen either. But twice governor of New York, California. Why did I say New York? <laughs> Wishful thinking. I don't know. Anyway, sorry about that, whoever's there now. Um, thank you. I messed up my illustration there, didn't I? And one phrase. I'll be back. Thank you. Somebody started before I could. Amen. That was in a couple of movies that, that I never saw all of it and all of them. I kind of know the context. It was in the Terminator series movies. And, and in that, that series, the earth had gotten really bad and they figured out how to send a robot back to kill the guy who, who started it all. And he was, and Arnold played the Terminator who came to kill the guy. And he was in a place... And they said, well, you, you know, I can't tell you right now we can get it. And so he just said, I'll be back. But that was a bad thing to say because when he came back, he's going to kill everybody there. And so it was frightful. Well, in the second show, the second movie, somehow he turned into a good guy and was coming back to save the guy that created everything. And in that movie, he said the same phrase, but it was good news. I'll be back to save you. Well, you kind of reverse it for Jesus. The first time he came, he came to save us. The second time he's coming in judgment. 
And, and Peter wants you to remember that. Paul said, knowing the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. You see, let, let, let's look at the text. Let me read these 10 verses. It's not very long. Uh, and, and I appreciate Brother Dave making it stand up, but we just sat down. So I, I'm just going to read them. Follow along. This is now the second letter I'm writing to you, beloved, in both of them. I'm stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder that you should remember the predictions of the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord and Savior through your apostles. Knowing this first that of all, that scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing, following their own sinful desires. They will say, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. For they deliberately overlook this fact, that the heavens existed long ago, and the earth was formed out of water and through water by the word of God. And that by means of these, the world that then existed was deluged with water and perished. But by the same word, the heaven, heavens and earth that now exist are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. Did you know you live on a woodpile? But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should re reach repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. Would you pray with me as we begin? Father God, uh, Lord, I, I stumbled reading. And uh, so I certainly can't give full weight to everything you're teaching us. I can't understand it all. I can't communicate it all. So we're so thankful that you sent the Holy Spirit to speak into our lives the truth of your word. And I pray, Lord, that as I, I say the things I pray that, that I'm going to say, I pray that you, they're what you tell me to say, that you would cause me to forget or stumble or not say them if they're not from you, and that, Lord, you would make very clear what it is you do want me to say. But Lord, for each of us, that we would hear your word, how you said it there, and that it would be driven into our hearts and that we would form our lives around what you said. Lord, give us your grace today to hear from you, to obey you. Lord, right now, we ask you in the name of Jesus that you would rebuke our enemy, that you would bind Satan and, and all those who serve him, and that this day, in this place, in this room, we will have freedom to hear from the Spirit and hear the word of God by the Spirit in our lives. And Lord, when we hear you, we say we will obey. Lord, I pray every person will pray that individually. That Lord, if you speak to me today, I will obey. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, this is a, a, a very interesting text. And, and there's been a lot of doom and gloom in Peter. And this isn't really doom and gloom if you're a Christian. If you're a Christian, this is great news. This is super news. Because you're living in Terminator 2, not Terminator 1. He's coming back to, to save us. And he introduces it in the first couple of verses. And he lets us know that the true enlightenment of what's happening comes from God. Listen to what he says in that first verse. This is the second letter I'm writing to you. 
very obviously probably First Peter. We could go all academic. There's a lot of controversy about it. Jude and First Peter look a lot alike. It's got the same themes. Jude is just one chapter. First Peter is five chapters. And, or, uh, and so it, it, it's expanded. But a lot of the very same things. But probably First Peter and Second Peter, this, this is what he, to which he's referring. But notice what he says, beloved. And in both of them, I am stirring up your hearts... Uh, um, stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder. Not your heart, your mind. You know, Disney tells you to follow your heart. But if you follow your heart, you're going to go to hell because the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. And who can know it? You, you got to follow what God tells us, understand it, believe it, and live it. Uh, that's how uh, we, we come to Christ. But in the King James Version or some other version, you might have seen the word your pure mind. That word sincere it means a, a ray of sunlight. It's the sun's rays. And the other word adjoins with it is distinguish. Ha, have you ever been trying to read something and say, let me get out in the sun so I can see it? <laughs> it the, 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 the light of the sun is so amazing. We, we got to be so many you know, miles away, just 93 billion, is that how many miles away we are, just so we don't get burned up? I mean, it, it, it's... It's unbelievable, and it's the word used here that God wants to just lighten it up so you can understand. He said, I want to stir up your pure or sincere mind by way of reminder. I've got a very expensive item up here. It's, a, it's, a, it's now, uh, you know, they come out with a new one, so this one doesn't work like it's supposed to because that's how they do things. So I'm always struggling. I'm having to stop it and restart it a bunch every day just to get work right. You know what I have to use now because I'm older. I'm way older. The reminders. <laughs> I literally have a reminder that comes on every morning at 8 o'clock. And it's called my reminder list to leave home. Because half the time I'd get halfway here and go, I forgot to do this or I forgot to bring that. or I forget. So I've got a list and I go through it before I leave. I open it up in the car. Did I get all that? Yeah, I got it. A lot of times I go, oh, forgot that. I have to go back in. And the older I get, the worse I get. And so now I go, and I don't want to say it because she'll come on, but you know what I say to get her activated and say, remind me of, did it the other day. Six o'clock on a certain day, I need to do a certain thing. Pastor Andy said, you going to be there? I said, hold on. Put it on the reminder list. And sure enough, it came up. So I would get here. Doctor's appointment, whatever. Peter says, I'm going to say it so much you're going to get sick of hearing it. I want you to be reminded. I want you to be stirred up and remember this stuff. Look at verse 2. So that you will remember the predictions of the holy prophets the commandments of the Lord and Savior through your apostles. In the first book, Peter said, we saw him, we touched him, we were on the mountain with him. And now those apostles have been teaching for decades, have been teaching the believers and the pastors, the elders of the church, to be able to teach others. Paul tells us in Timothy, the stuff you heard from me, saw in me, and learned of me, the same things you commit to other faithful men who can teach other faithful men that it keeps going. This was his plan. And Peter took Jesus' instructions to heart. And he says, I'm going to remind you, and I'm going to remind you, and I'm going to remind you, and I'm going to remind you until you say, I got it. He goes, I don't think so. Let's go over it one more time. The law, the, the law of, of being an expert is if you do it a thousand times, you'll get good at it. If you do it 10,000 times, you'll become the expert. 
I hate repetition. It just drives me crazy. My wife is a teacher. She loves repetition. So she'll tell me what she wants me to do, how to do it. Then she'll tell me again how to do it. And the third time, are you doing it like this? Like I told you to do it because one, two, three. Now I'm exaggerating for humor, but she, that is our personalities. I'm like, I got it. Leave me alone. And then halfway through, I go, oh, honey, what was that thing you said, right? <laughs> you know how it works. You know, we, we, we get that way. But Peter doesn't want that to happen. But why doesn't he want it to happen? Why does he not want us to forget? Well, it's right there in verse 3. Knowing this, first of all, scoffers are going to come in the last day with scoffing. Now, do you ever, when's the last time you, somebody looked at you and said, hey man, how's it going? And you go, oh, it's horrible. What's, what's wrong? Oh, I just ran into scoffers today and they've been scoffing me all day. <laughs> yeah, you like it when I read it, but when I apply it, you go, what? Huh? <laughs> yeah, same for me. What, what does that mean? A scoffer is somebody who wants to deny the word of God and discourage the believer. A scoffer is somebody that, ah, that's not true. Because they don't like what you're saying, or it hits them where they live, or they don't want to know about it, and so they, ah, that's nothing. I mean, I, I, I saw an ad the other day. I, when, I was in Thailand, and I saw a street vendor, and he was selling a, a Rolex Submariner watch. Those things cost about $25,000 or $50,000. I think it's $50,000. Could be $25,000. And I got it for like 10 bucks. I think it was spelled, you know, with a CK at the end and an S. Like it didn't say R-O-L-E-X. It was, it was a fake, right? Of course it was a fake. You know, it, it was wrong. But imagine I got that real expensive watch. And I ran up to you and I said, man, look, I got a Rolex Submariner. What do you think? They'd go, they pay you too much at the church. That's what you'd think. <laughs> but I'd be all excited about it, wouldn't I? I'd be, but if you went, it's not a Rolex, that's that thing you got in Thailand. Now, if I hadn't got it in Thailand, that's going to hurt my feelings. And that's what scoffer's intention is. Hurt your feelings to make you back up. Peter wants you to be bold and keep pushing in. I mean, if somebody broke in my house and, and, and I try to get them to not hurt me and I point something at them that might discourage them and they go, oh, that's just a fake one. Oh, really? Listen to this noise. Boom! <laughs> it's not fake. This is the sword of the Spirit. You pull this out and people go, oh, that's a rubber sword. No, it's not. Hear the Word of God and you say it. Boy, it has effect, Right? So Peter is telling us these scoffers are going to come in and they're going to get us. This isn't the only place this is found. I don't know if you thought about it. This is all through the Bible. In Psalm 1-1, blessed is a man who does, walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scoffer. Yeah, the scoffer where everybody's made. You may do that at work. People, all oh, those Christians, they're crazy. And you're like, well, I'm one of them, but I don't want to get you know, made fun of so you don't say anything. Right? Don't, don't do that. Proverbs 1, 20, I recommend you go to Proverbs 1 after church, not right now, and read chapter 1 and think about this word. Let me just read uh, uh, one verse from it. How long, O simple ones, will you love being simple? How long will scoffers delight in their scoffing and fools hate knowledge? And later he says, they're going to be condemned and cast into hell. In Proverbs 1, and that's wisdom speaking. Wisdom says they don't want wisdom. They want to be not wise. 
Jeremiah 5.12, they've spoken falsely of the Lord and said, He will do nothing, no disaster will come upon us, nor shall we see the sword or famine. The prophets will become wind, the word is not in them, thus it shall be done to them. Jeremiah 5, 12 and 13. Malachi chapter 2, verse 17. You've wearied the Lord with your words, but you say, how have we wearied him? By saying, everyone who does evil is good in the sight of the Lord, and he delights in them. Or by asking, where is the God of justice? Malachi 2, 17. By the way, that's in our headlines today. Not that verse, but that idea. When they say, evil is good in the sight of the Lord. Oh, you can be a Christian and be this. That the Bible condemns and says it's absolutely evil. Right? You're living in the village of scoffers, in case you don't know that. I'm sure your friends, most of your friends are probably moral people, maybe even church people. And so we kind of forget this. But, ladies and gentlemen, I got some bad news for you. We live in a nation of scoffers. And we better understand that. And the answer is not in who you vote for. The answer is who you tell the gospel to. I think you ought to vote for right people. Don't get me wrong. But that's not the answer. They may help us. And that'd be good. But in general, it's only so much. You see, they mocked Jesus on the cross even. Didn't they? When they were scourging him, they would hit him. And say, who hit you if you're a prophet? Prophesy. So on the cross. Why don't you come down and save yourself and others since you're so great? And they're scoffing him and denying who he is. A man named Warren Wearsby, you may not have ever heard that name, but if you haven't, look it up, get his books, read him. He said this, when your lifestyle is contrary to, the word of, to God's word, you have to either change your lifestyle or change God's word. And I've run into Christians that would rather change, their, change God's word than change their lifestyle. If God's plain sense of scripture is understood, it must be obeyed. And anything less is sin against a holy God who said, this is how it should be. And you say, yeah, but you'll grant this exception, won't you? I had a cousin got saved late in his life. And the church he used to go to, he said, it was most of his brothers and sisters. He said, oh, they go to that exempt religion church. It's for everybody but them. How many of us are like that? Oh, you've got to obey that, but I don't have to. That's a form of scoffing. But look at what they will say about the day of the Lord. Knowing this, first of all, that scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing, following their own sinful desires. Why are they scoffing? Because they want to follow their own sinful desires. That is the reason they are scoffing. And as they do, they say, where is the promise of his coming? He said he was coming back. Where'd the promise go? And here's their reasoning. For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. In other words, they're saying, since it started, nothing has changed to today. And then Peter's going to give the explanation of that. But I want you to hear that clearly. And I want you to understand what is being said. There are some people who say, the day of the Lord's not going to happen. They're just going to say, oh, that's all a myth. He didn't come the first time, so obviously he's not coming back. Or, oh, we have to understand that allegorically. He's not going to actually physically show up. And we debate. And within Christianity, we can debate a lot about what all that means when he comes. But friend, understand this. If you are a conservative, 
believer in what the Bible actually says, Jesus is coming back in his body and he will rule on this planet. That's what the Bible tells us. But we try to dance around it, get around it. But some say, not only that it never happened, some say, when will it happen? Uh, one guy told me when I was a young man, people say, well, I haven't been in 2,000 years. Well, that's 2,000 good reasons to believe it's going to happen any day now. There's a difference between immediate and imminent. Immediate means he's on the way, you better get ready. Imminent means he could come back, but we don't know exactly when. And that's where we live. We live in the imminent part. And there's different things about that that's not important for this sermon. We can study that in detail later if you want to. But, but what is important is God can do what he wants. And he said he's coming back. He just didn't tell us when. He said only the Father knows when that is before he left. He may know now, but that was Jesus saying, I don't know. The Father said, I couldn't know that right now. Maybe he knows it now, which is a really odd thing to say since they are alike in everything. So that's why I think he knows now. But here's what scoffers come with. They come with scoffing. They come with sinful desires, which we've covered. But they also come with silly logic. Because look what Peter says in verse 5. They forgot something. They forgot or overlooked or deliberately overlooked this fact that the heavens existed a long time ago and this earth was formless and void. It was a ball of water with some solid underneath it. And out of the water, God pulled water off the surface of the earth and he created a canopy around the earth. This is Christian scientism. But people who are not, not Christian scientists, but scientists who are actually Christian. Christian scientists aren't Christian. They, they're, they, they're, they're in error. But scientists who are Christian believe that there was this ball of water and God pulled the water off the surface so that there'd be only enough water on earth. It would create some land and he covered it in a canopy. It became like a greenhouse. And into that world, that he, that's Genesis 1-1, and into that world he put plants and animals and people. This is the reason people, I'm back in Genesis now preaching, let me just quickly say, that's why people lived a long time. You had less radiation from the sun, number one. Number two, you had a higher pressure so that if you got a cut, it wouldn't get infected because that high pressure would push it out. The flood happened, the water fell back in, and not all of it went back up. And so now we have clouds, we have rain, it had never rained until the flood. And we have a lower pressure and we get a lot more uh, radiation from the sun. So I just had my, in case you hadn't noticed, I got a scar there. So if you have, everybody's been too kind. Nobody said anything like, what happened to your face? <laughs> my wife said my scar looked good. So I thought about getting my whole face scarred up so it looked good finally. <laughs> that was a bad joke, sorry. But that was my fifth skin cancer surgery. I got the guys in here that had a lot more than that. Why? Radiation. Because I grew up in Charleston when sunscreen was a t-shirt. <laughs> Right? Doing a paper route. Everything exposed. And so now I'm paying that price. I'm paying the piper. But these scoffers say, eh. And so they say, he says they forgot that God separated. But notice how he puts this. It was formed out of water and through water by the word of God. God said exist and it did. God said light exists. It did. Plants exist. Boom. There they are. Animals exist. There they are. He made everything by his spoken word Except you and I. You and I, he got personally involved, formed us with his hands out of the dirt of the earth and then breathed into our nostrils so man became a living soul. And he placed us in a creation that he spoke into existence 
Look at verse 6. And by means of these, the world that then existed was deluged with water and perished. Did you catch the irony? What he used to create it, his word and the water, he used to destroy it. By saying, why don't you just fall back in on all of that? And destroy the evil that is there. And we'll start over. And he got Noah to harness up the animals, put them on an ark. So there would be one of every kind left. Including dinosaurs. Don't get into that right now. But yeah, they were there. My grandson asked me about that yesterday. Yes, they were on the ark. And they didn't say they had to be big. They could have been babies. <laughs> and let them back out. But the atmosphere changed. So some things couldn't survive the new thing. But catch what's going on here. The world was flooded and perished. And the same word that created destroyed. You see, later in this chapter, in just a few minutes, he's going to tell us, God promised us, by the way, God owns the rainbow, not a certain group. In, in case you hadn't noticed, their rainbow only has six colors. God's has seven. Six is the number of man, seven is the number of God. Kind of ironic, don't you think? When man wants to be God, he can't help but stumble into God again. God is reserving this place for fire. That's how he's going to destroy it again. But they're wondering, where is the promise of his coming? When is he coming? By the same word, the heavens, the earth that now exists are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and the destruction of the ungodly. But he says, don't overlook this one fact. I'll come back to that in a minute. But don't look at verse 8. Do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. You see, God's time is different. God is not slow. He's on time. The problem is we are impatient. We want his time to be our time. And the Bible says the day will come like a thief for those who are not looking for it. That's the definition. It's not that nobody will notice. The Christians will notice. In, in Matthew, he, he gave us the signs. In Revelation, he tells us what's going to happen. And if you just read that and know it and look at it and then listen to what's going on, you'll kind of know it's getting closer and closer and closer. And we can, we can be alert to what's happening. But God is coming. And so we need to be alert. You know, people see time against time, but God looks at time against eternity. Well, it's been a long time. Not if you dwell in eternity. It's been a couple of days since he left. Not even a weekend if you get off on Friday afternoon. You know, there was a man... One day he's laying in the grass, looking up at the sky, watching the clouds float by. And he said, God, how long is a million years to you? And he said, my frame of reference, about a minute. I know that's not what the Bible says, but just go with it. The man said, well, how much is a million dollars? God said, about a penny. He said, hey, Lord, can I have a penny? He said, yeah, wait a minute. <laughs> you see, our marching orders come from God. I want you to catch what he says. Verse 9, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward 
you. His time is different. Not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. I tell you, that day's coming as a thief. But why is God patient for repentance? Now, if you're at all familiar with a doctrine called Calvinism, I want to quote the founder of Calvinism, John Calvin, out of this verse. John Calvin said, But when we hear the Lord is delaying, shows a concern for our salvation. And that he defers the time because he has a care for us. There's no reason why we should any longer complain of tardiness. He's tardy who is, allows an occasion to pass by, through by sinful sloth. There's nothing like this in God who is the best manner, regulates time to promote our salvation. And as to the duration of the whole world, we must think exactly the same as of the life of every individual. For God, by prolonging time to each, sustains him that he may repent. Notice this. Not that he may be saved, but that he may repent. Because in repentance, we have salvation. And without repentance, there is no salvation. Because he doesn't just sell you an insurance policy. He wants you to turn your life away from how you live it and live it according to him. Good news is he gives you the strength to do that. In like manner, he does not hasten the end of the world in order to give all time to repent. But the order is to be noticed. God is ready to receive all to repentance that none may perish for in these words, the way and manner of taming salvation is pointed out. Every one of us, therefore, whose desires of salvation must learn to enter in by this way, the way of repentance. I've had to fly a lot of places. I've had to go a lot of places on an airplane. And I wear a pump, an insulin pump, and I get checked everywhere I go. I never just walk through and they go, okay, that's fine. So I just warn them. You, I can't go through the machine. You got to look at this. They make me rub it and then they test for bombs. They don't want this to explode. Like I'm going to carry an explosive on me. Do you know me? I don't want to die that way. <laughs> and the answer is no, we don't know you. Be quiet and hand it to me over. So I mean, there's one particular time, and I won't tell you all the circumstances. too long a story and it would change the perspective of it. But my whole family was with me. They were in front of me. They got on the plane and I got delayed. And we were already late. It's like time to go. And they held me up. And so Janice got on the plane. I had all the tickets with me. So she told the, the stewardess said, well, the seat empty. Because she could see somebody would be there. She said, my husband got detained. She said, oh, okay. Well, I'll talk to the pilot. And she went up. Well, it got long enough that everybody on the plane was impatient. What happened? I finally got cut loose. I go running, and all I wanted was, please let that door be open. Please let me be able to get on the plane. To my amazement, the girls at the thing go, 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 go. They had sent word down the line. When that, you let that guy go, let him get on the plane. I come on. The plane cheered when I got on. <laughs> so I knew I was in trouble then. But I want to make a point out of that. If you're the guy sitting on the plane, you're going to get impatient. Even if it's not time for the plane to leave, you're like, why can't they shut the door and let's go? 
Come on, let's go, let's go, let's go. Especially if you're claustrophobic. Anybody in here claustrophobic? I hate getting on a plane early. It starts freaking me out. Just take off, man. But what if you're the guy that got delayed and you got to get on that plane? Your family's on there and they need you. And your family's going, please let him get here. Please just let him get here. Delay it just enough. Let him get here. So that we can be saved together. Most of you in here today, you're sitting on the plane right now. And the door is open. And in the hardness of our hearts, we want the door to shut. And let's just go to heaven and leave them all to go to hell. But that's not why he saved you. That's not what Peter wants you to remember. He wants you to remember the day of the Lord is coming. And for those who are doomed for destruction, it's bad news. It's great news for us. Jesus is coming. But it's bad news for the people you know and love that are not on the plane yet. And when Jesus said, I'll be back, he meant it. But it's going to be bad news for some people and great news for others. Listen, the rest of this chapter, I want to go back and just say quickly. By the same word, the heaven and earth that now exists are stored up for fire, being kept till the day of judgment. And then look at verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief and the heavens will pass away with a roar. And the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved. The earth and the works that are done on them will be exposed. In Genesis 1 we find out God through Jesus created the world. We find that out later that through Christ that happened. In Colossians 1 it, gives, it says if you study it hard enough that Jesus thought of it. Jesus implemented it. Jesus did it. And by his word it's held together. And there's going to come a day. In judgment, and that'll be at the end of the millennium, according to Revelation, he's going to say, let go, let go. And all the elements or all of creation that is here now is going to dissolve in a gigantic nuclear explosion because he's going to tell the atoms to let go, and it will be destroyed in a moment. And then he's going to make a new heaven and a new earth, and that's where we're going to live forever. Looking forward to that day, aren't you? But look what he says in the next verse. I didn't read it. We're going to preach on it next week. But don't overlook. I mean, I'm sorry. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be to live lives of holiness and godliness? All that land that you own, it's going to dissolve. All the houses you own, it's going to burn up. All the cars, all the money, all the wealth. Everything that man fights to gain and own and control and use is a woodpile. And God's going to light the fire. But until that day, he's given us his patient grace to let people know that are doomed for destruction, that there is a way they can know the righteousness of God. And Peter is about to leave and he wants you not to forget be motivated by this have a heart of compassion for the lost let them know that God is patiently desirous that they would come to repentance and salvation John said it in 1 John chapter 3 that when we see Christ we'll be like him for we'll see him as he is and then he said and everyone who has this hope in himself purifies himself what kind of life should you be living knowing Jesus is coming back Three things I want you to think about this week. First of all, you need to be confident and excited Jesus is coming back. 
That, that ought to become just excitement. I, I, sometimes I say to people, hey, here, there, or in the air, I'll see you later. Because Jesus is coming back, right? Secondly, trust God when he's not on your timetable. We are so impatient. Come on, God, I asked you, where is it? He says, wait a minute. <laughs> I'll get there, but not on your timetable or mine. And thirdly, you need to talk about Jesus. He is patient so other people can come into his kingdom. You need to talk about him. You need to bring him up. Bring him up in the conversation. Hey, did you thought about Jesus lately? What do you know about him? That's a good way to just get it going. <laughs> you might stir up a scoffer there. That's okay. You can handle it. Just let, just let them scoff and you just tell them the truth about Jesus. He loves you. He wants to bring you to a place of repentance and salvation. I pray that we would all come to that place. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, help us to be excited and thrilled that you are coming back. You are on the way.